Well, uh, we have a uh, street light uh, like this one outside of our bedroom window. But our street light is faulty. Most of the night it's off, which I actually prefer because when it's on, it's really bright and it's difficult to sleep. Once in a while during the night, it will flicker a little bit and then it comes on dimly. It'll stay that way for a little while and then it'll flicker again and it comes on bright. Maybe 30, 45 seconds, sometimes a minute, minute and a half, and then it goes off again. Now, I know I could call LCEC and they'd come and fix it, but honestly, I like it the way it is because I can sleep better. But it struck me several months ago that my streetlight is a metaphor for a lot of our lives. Jesus said to us, His followers, these words one day, they're found in Matthew chapter 5. He said, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Have you flown in an airplane? You know, and off in the distance, there is a city, and the lights of the city light everything up around them, don't they? It, it can't be hidden. It's unmistakable that it's out there. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus says, you are a light. Not just a couple of us. Not just a select few. Not just those who lead the church. Not just if you want to be. Jesus says, you are a light. But it strikes me that for a lot of us, our light functions a lot like my street light. There are some times that it shines dimly. There are other occasions that it shines brightly. But a great deal of the time and a great deal of many of our lives, our light is off. And like my streetlight, we need some repair work if our lives are going to be lived as God intended them. If we're going to let our light shine brightly, as Jesus intended it, if we're going to be a light like He calls us to be. Now, Jesus is not the only one who gave some instructions to us about being lights. In fact, Paul, who was a leader in the early church and wrote a great deal of the New Testament, talks about being a light in the book called Philippians. And so I want you to open your Bibles there today. I hope you brought your Bible or your iPad or your smartphone. Would you find your way there? If you've gotten out of the habit this summer of bringing your Bible, it's time to get back into that habit. Bring it with you on Sunday so that you can open it up and we can study together. If you don't have a Bible, as you came in at the entrances today, there are some tables out there and there are Bibles on those tables. Please pick one up as you go home today. Make it your Bible and uh, spend some time this week, all of us, reading Philippians uh, chapter 2. Now, as you're finding your way to the book of Philippians, let me give you a little background on what uh, Paul has been writing about here before he gets to the few verses that I want to focus in on this morning. Paul has been writing about the significance of Jesus Christ in our lives. He, he writes about Jesus' compassion towards us. He writes about Jesus putting His own interests aside to take care of our interests. He, he talks about Jesus being willing to die on the cross to pay the penalty of our sins, about God's incredible grace poured out into our lives. And in the context of what Jesus has done for us, then Paul makes this challenge to each of us as his followers in Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. 
He says, therefore, which means because of what Jesus has done for us, because of all the things that I've just written to you about the significance of Jesus in our lives, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, not only when I've been right there with you, but now much more in my absence, Paul's physical absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. Now let's pause there for a second and ask this question. Is Paul suggesting that I have to earn my salvation? Is Paul suggesting that you and I should live in constant fear that God is going to change His mind and take away my salvation because I'm not living up to His expectations? No. No. Clearly, the Bible teaches, and Paul himself wrote in some other places in letters that he wrote in the Bible, that our salvation is a gift from God and we cannot, do you catch that? We cannot earn it. It is a great gift given out of God's grace. But what Paul is suggesting, that when I realize the significance of the gift that God has given me, when I realize that significance, I should be empowered and motivated to join God in serving and working toward accomplishing His mission here on this earth. That when I recognize the power of God's grace in my life out of reverence and thankfulness, I should let my light shine brightly. In fact, that's what he says beginning in verse 14. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And we're going to come back to that thought in a little bit. Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. And that's exactly what we live in, isn't it? You know what he's really saying there? We, we live in a world that is spiritually dark. And it is. Right here in our city. There are thousands and thousands of people who are living their lives very far from God. Their lives are spiritually dark. But here's Paul's solution to that. He says, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not labor, run or labor for nothing. Paul says, everything I've done in life will be worth it if, if you, Jesus followers, will shine like stars in the universe. If you will hold out the word of life, if you will hold out the story of Jesus and His redeeming love to people who are living in spiritual darkness, if you will decide to let your light shine brightly like the stars in the universe. Paul suggests, he says, that because of what God has done for us, because we have experienced the amazing love of Jesus, because we know God, we should shine like stars in the universe. We should let our light shine very brightly. Now listen, what Paul suggests here for us to do is not something that he's not already doing. As Paul pins these words, it'd be one thing if, if Paul was writing this letter and he was sitting in a, you know, a nice beachfront condo on the second floor with a balcony looking out over the water and he was out on that balcony writing these words as the, the cool Mediterranean breeze blew against him and he was sipping some iced tea as he wrote these words. That would be one thing, wouldn't it, for Paul to challenge us to live this kind of life? But you know where Paul is when he writes these words? 
He's in prison. And from prison, He says and challenges us, you let your light shine. You be a, like a star in the universe. And you know why He could write that? Because right there in the midst of prison, that is exactly what He was doing. In the midst of some very challenging circumstances, Paul was shining like a star in the universe. We know historically that he would probably have been chained between two palace guards. Now these palace guards were usually noblemen's sons. These were the upper echelon of society. They were still required to serve there two or three years in the military. But rather than being sent out to the front lines where it was really dangerous, they would serve in something that was far less risky, often in the palace guard. And so here is Paul chained to two of these guys for four to six hours at a time. And do you know what he was doing? He was sharing the gospel with them. If you go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, listen to what Paul says. Now, I want you to know, brothers that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Can you imagine writing that if you were sentenced to prison? This is really going to help to serve to advance the gospel. Paul says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Everybody knew why Paul was there. He was in chains for Jesus Christ. How did they know? Because every opportunity he got when those two guys were chained to him, he was telling them the story of Jesus. And historically, we know that many of these palace guards would later rise to positions in government. And historically, we know that later, and around that time, Christianity spread rapidly, even among many in the government. And you have to wonder if you can't trace all of that back right here to this prison cell, where Paul, in very difficult circumstances, decided... He chose to shine like a star in the universe. And Paul says to all of us, I want you to shine like a star in the universe. I want you to let your light be seen. Let it shine brightly all the time. Because there are a lot of people living in spiritual darkness. And so for the next few weeks, I am praying that this will happen in our lives. Now listen, I think Paul, Paul understood it. I mean, he got it. And honestly, I am striving to make sure that I get this in my life. And Crosspoint, I am praying that we will get this. That this will be true of our lives. That, this will, that our church will be marked by this being true. Let me ask you. Do you sometimes feel like you're spiritually kind of lifeless. I mean, if you're honest, like you're, you're just kind of going through the motions of being a Christ follower. Do you know what may be missing? What may be missing is this adventure of sharing your faith. You see, you know what Paul got? He understood that sharing, shining like a star he understood that letting our light shine brightly. He understood that sharing the story of Jesus' amazing love is the greatest adventure in faith we can ever experience. And maybe the reason some of us feel like we're kind of lifeless and just going through the motions is because we haven't recognized that living, that the greatest adventure in faith that we could live is letting our light shine. You want your Bible reading to become more intense? then start using what you are learning 
to teach your neighbors who have spiritual questions. You want your prayer life to be more focused? Then spend time praying for family members, pleading for God's help to reach family members that are wandering. You want your weekly worship to be more heartfelt? It will be. When you are praising God, the astonishing God who has poured out His grace and saved a friend of yours. You want to experience excitement and fulfillment and a purpose in life? Then let your light shine brightly. And I'm hoping and praying that over the next few weeks, we'll do some repair work to our street lights, and they'll begin to shine brightly. Today I want to begin by looking at a handful of characteristics of stars the kind that Paul has challenged all of us to be. First, I want you to notice this. Stars are distributed. Stars are distributed. I mean, you you think about it. You go out at night when it's not cloudy and you look up into the sky and you know what? All the stars haven't clumped together over on one side of the sky, have they? You know, all the stars over here. Hey, this is our meeting place. Hey, this is our little building over here. Come on, stars. Everybody gather up over here. No. No. When you go out and look at the sky at night, the stars are distributed across the sky. You walk out into the the night sky in Florida and look up and you, you see stars, don't you? You go outside in Alaska at night and you look up into the sky and there are stars, incredible, incredible stars. You go out in the night sky in Bulgaria and there are stars. They are distributed everywhere. I want to do something with you this morning. I want to say a word in a second. And when I say this word, I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them the first image that comes to your mind. Now, don't give them the spiritual answer, you know. Like, I I know it sounds like a squirrel, but it must be Jesus kind of thing. Um, I I want you to just honestly answer what comes to your mind first. Here's the word. And when you hear it, then you turn to your neighbor right away and tell them what you think. The word is church. And what do you think of when you hear the word church? Some, for some of you, when you think church, you think about a a building. You know, the church is a building somewhere. That's the church. Or maybe when you hear the word church, you think about what happens here on Sunday. You know, we, we come together, we worship, that's church. Maybe for some of you, when you hear the word church, you think about a group of people clumping together and uh, having some kind of meeting. In fact, I, I think for many people, the way we picture the church is portrayed in this Adidas commercial. Isn't that how we see the church sometimes? We see the church as a clump of people, right? And the better the church, the bigger the clump. 
I think this next commercial maybe better portrays how God intended the church to look. Not the falling down part. But distributed all across the city. Because stars are distributed. They're spread out everywhere. And tomorrow morning, we will wake up and you'll go to work or you'll go to school or you'll go to the gym or you'll go to look for a job. You'll go somewhere. And everywhere you go, that's where the church will be. You are the church. And everywhere you are, the church is. And that's how God intended it to be, that we would be distributed across our region. That every day, everywhere we go, we would be a light that shines brightly. And every day, everywhere we go, we would be the church. And we'd be pointing people to Jesus Christ. And so we are the church, yes, when we are here together. And it's good. But tomorrow morning when you wake up, go be the church. Go get distributed. And go let your light shine. Here's the second thing about stars, and it's obvious, but stars are visible. I mean, they are, right? Unless it's a cloudy night, you walk outside and you can see the stars. They don't attempt to hide. They're not ashamed of themselves. In fact, would it be a stretch to say that a star wants you to see its light? What about you? Do you want your light to be seen? What are you doing to make your light visible? I think on a very practical level... Making our life visible is really about living a life that looks like Jesus. I think that's what Paul was getting at in those couple of verses that I said we'd come back to in verse 14. Again, he says, Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. You know what in essence he's saying? He's not talking about perfection. None of us will get there, right? He's not saying you be perfect and everybody will be drawn to that. In fact, Probably people wouldn't be drawn to that. But he is saying that our, with all of our hearts, we ought to be striving to live a life that pleases God. With all of our heart, we ought to be trying to live a life that looks like Jesus. Fuller Theological Seminary in California did a study of Muslims who had converted to Christianity. They did this from 1997, I think, through 2007. And they were looking for what were the reasons that what finally put these people kind of across the line that caused them to to take that big step of faith in their case. 
to following Jesus Christ. You know what was at the top of the list? Number one answer was that Christians practiced what they preached. They were simply looking to see, is it real? Is it authentic? They were looking to see, did people live a life that actually looks like Jesus? You know, if if you stop and think about it, so what does that look like in simple terms? Well, think about some of the things that would be true of Jesus. When we look at Jesus' life, we, we would know that He spent time with sinners. He didn't spend all of His time with other believers. He spent a great deal of His time interacting with people who were living far from God. Not so that they would influence Him, but so that He could be an influence in their lives. And if we want to be a light that's visible, we've got to get around some people intentionally who are living far from God. Here's something else. His compassion radar was always on, right? I mean, Jesus was always looking for people that were struggling and hurting. And when He saw them, if there was something He could do, He would reach out to help them. And you know what? We need to dial up our compassion radar that really looks for people that are hurting and then make some light visible to them. Here's another thing. Jesus was never afraid to talk about the power of God that was worked in His life. And I don't know why, but it seems like a lot of the times we're afraid when we're around people and we're not sure where they are in their faith or if they have any faith. For some reason, we're afraid to talk about how the power of God is at work in our lives and how the power of God is what gives us hope to get through the really difficult days. Let's be visible. Let's not be afraid to talk about how the power of God is at work in our lives. They're not going to argue with your story. Here's another thing about Jesus. Jesus prayed for people. Who are you praying for? And as you interact with people who are struggling in their lives, do you ever just say to them, hey, I'll be praying for you. Or, could I pray for you right now? That would make your life light visible. Lee Strobel, in his book, The Unexpected Adventure, writes about Maggie. Maggie was a young lady who now was a part of the church where Lee Strobel is. But earlier in her life, she had grown up around some people who said they have faith but people who didn't practice what they talked about. And so she had become very turned off to Christianity and she had determined that she was an atheist. She didn't believe that God wanted nothing to do with God. And she was headed down that track until one day she heard there was going to be a debate between an atheist and a Christian. And she thought, the atheist will clobber the Christian. I'm going to go hear this. It'll be fun. She was shocked as she sat and listened and realized that the arguments of the Christian far exceeded the arguments of the atheist. And so she began to attend church and then got plugged into a small group, a life group. And as she got to know people, her heart began to open more and more. And she wrote a letter to her life group one day, and she, uh, she included this poem with it. She said, Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? Do you know, do you understand that when you treat me with gentleness, it raises the question in my mind that maybe He is gentle too? Maybe He isn't someone who laughs when I am hurt. Do you know, do you understand that when you listen to my questions and you don't laugh, I think, what if Jesus is interested in me too? Do you know, do you understand that when I hear you talk about arguments and conflicts and scars from your past, I think maybe I am just a regular person instead of a bad, no-good little girl who deserves abuse. If you care, I think maybe He cares. And then there's this flame of hope that burns inside of me. And for a while, I am afraid to breathe because it might go out. 
Do you know, do you understand that your words are His words? Your faith is His faith to someone like me? Please be who you say you are. Please, God, don't let this be another trick. Please let this be real. Please. Do you know, do you understand that you represent Jesus to me? And here's the happy ending of Maggie's story. Not too long after she penned that poem, she took the step of faith across the line and she accepted Jesus as her Savior. And when she was questioned about what what made the difference, she said, I just met a whole bunch of people who were like Jesus to me. Crosspoint, when you get up and go to work tomorrow or to school, to your classroom, to the gym, you are a minister of Jesus Christ and that's the parish that He's put you in. That's the group of people. That's the place where He has planted you and He simply asks you to be like Jesus to those people. To make your star visible. The newsboys sing, shine. Make them wonder what you got. Why don't you live that way this week? Shine. And make them wonder what is it that's inside of you that causes you to be that way. Here's one more thing. Stars are not alone. And neither are we. When Jesus called us to be a light, He didn't send us out to do it all by ourselves. In fact, Jesus one day was speaking to His followers. And He said to them, He gave them this long list of instructions. Again, the same kind of thing about, I want you to go and I want you to tell people about Me. And then He made this incredible promise to them at the end of that. And He makes the same promise to us. He said, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Quite a few years ago now, when I was living in Ohio and leading a church there, I got a call late middle of the night, early in the morning probably, from the sheriff's department or from our alarm company saying, hey, the alarm's going off at your building. You need to meet the sheriff there. And so, you know, I'm so happy about that. I get up, I get dressed and uh, get in my car take the five-minute trip over to the building. But when I get there, I realize there's no sheriff's cruiser in the parking lot. And uh, being the incredibly brave person that I am, think to myself, there is no way I am pulling in there until the sheriff is here. You know, So I just zoop on by the building and go up a little ways, turn around, slowly come back. And finally I see sheriff's cruiser pulling up into the parking lot. And so I, I follow him in to the building and we, we check things out. But there's no way I was going to do that alone. I was frightened, to be honest. I got a similar call one night a few years ago while I was on staff at First Christian Church in Fort Myers. And I'm not sure why I was the person that had to go with our staff there, but I was. So, uh, you know, again, I get up, I get dressed, and I go over, and, and of course the FMPD, they're already there. They were a lot quicker, I guess, than the Sheriff's Department in Ohio. But um, they're there, and they get their dogs out, and they send their dogs in, and they look around the building for a while. And then they say, we think there's been a break-in in the office area. We need you to go and see if what's you know, if anything's been taken. Okay, I understand that. So we go in. I realize as we're walking down the hallway that I'm in front. And I, you know, I don't remember if I said it out loud or just thought to myself, but at least I thought, you know, guys, you're the ones with the guns. Why aren't you in front? Why aren't you leading the way? Because again, I was afraid. And in my fear, I wanted to know that somebody was with me and I wanted somebody who had some experience, somebody that knew what they were doing was leading the way. And Jesus has promised to every one of us that even when we're frightened, He's leading the way. He knows what this is all about. 
He's had some experience, and we are not alone. Now listen, I know. Talking to someone about Jesus, risking that kind of conversation, letting your star shine brightly, it's scary, it's frightening, isn't it? Jesus says you don't have to be frightened. You are not alone in this. And so the next time you feel that fear rising in you and you know you need to let your light shine brightly, pray. You ask God to help you. Right in that moment you say, God, I need some courage from you. I need the words to speak. God, I need you to kind of slow down that pounding in my chest just a little bit even. And remember, you are not alone. It is worth risking the conversation. Let me ask you, which is more frightening? Which is more frightening? To risk talking about Jesus or to know that someone may spend eternity in hell? And despite what some have written lately in our culture, I'm telling you, the Bible says very clearly, hell is a real and awful place. So which is more frightening to us? To know that Jesus is with me and to speak up and point them to Jesus or to just let them go on their way, knowing that they may spend eternity in hell. For the last several months, I've been getting up in the morning, sometimes before the sun rises, and jogging, running in my neighborhood. And um, there are some other places in my neighborhood where we have the, they must have the same kind of street lights that I do because often when I run in certain places, the light is off. And when I run in those places, I usually think, I, you know, I really wish these lights were on. I'd like to see my path more clearly. I'd like to know, you know, if there's anything in the surroundings that I should be aware of. And I wish that those lights would come back on, that they'd be fixed and they light, would light my path. What if you had the power to light the path for someone's life? What if you had the ability to change someone's life for eternity? What if you, by letting your light shine brightly, could join God in the process of leading someone to salvation? Would you let your light shine? Friends, every single day, We make that very choice. We choose whether or not our light will shine brightly. And I want to challenge us, myself included. Let's turn the light on. Let's leave it on all the time and let it it shine brightly. Shine. Make them wonder what it is that you've got. Let's pray together. God, I... uh, I am challenged by this personally. It has been a stirring and a struggle in my personal heart for several weeks now leading up to this series. God, I am not satisfied to let my light shine dimly or to let it be off. God, I want it to be on and I want it to be on all the time. And God, I'm praying today, right now, in this moment, through the power of Your Spirit, You will do the same thing in the heart of every person in this room, God, that we will no longer be satisfied with momentary flickers of light. But God, in our hearts today, we will determine and we will promise to You in this very moment that I will be a person distributed across this city, that I will be the church, and I will let my light shine brightly. God, do that in us. And God, I can't wait to see them, the hundreds of people that might discover Jesus Christ. Thanks for your love. 
In Jesus' name I pray.